I'm not trying to be high maintenance. I'm just grateful for our team right there. That's all that's happening. I got uh, a foot support, an extra int on my right foot with a pad underneath it. Whoever invented that, genius. God was working through them. So I feel like I have alignment this week. Grateful. I just want to encourage you, whatever you're going through, don't give up. God's brought you this far. Keep going. Keep going with the Lord. And uh, we have so much to celebrate. We're having some church today. Amen? Amen. We've got so much to thank God for, how God is moving in our lives right now. Uh, There was also a baptism in the first service, and we are seeing people come to know Jesus, people stepping forward to be public with their faith. We're seeing families celebrate this together. It's an awesome time right now to be trusted and serving Jesus, and he's changing lives. Uh, We also look back to Thursday night. How many people were here Thursday night? What a night, what a night, what a night, absolutely. We're still praising God. You know, this is one of my favorite places to be, and when this place is filled with people who are excited to worship Jesus, and you can sense God's presence here in a palpable way, it's just amazing. People gather from across the Pacific Northwest, many churches, many cities. You can check it out online, and uh, we're still just uh, in awe of what God did Thursday night. You probably noticed uh, there's a little 40 shifts next to you. If you weren't here last week, that was the message, 40 shifts, and people are asking for it. That's a hard copy. You can tuck it in your Bible. Those 40 shifts, representing shifts we see throughout Scripture, First and Second Corinthians, those shifts, shifts that we want to make for the spiritual life. They are healthy, honoring God's shifts. Shifts is another word for repentance, turning to the Lord, and what God can do, bringing abundance in our lives. So check that out. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 today, if you brought a Bible or you want to turn there on your phone, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're looking at a triumphant faith. Sometimes we need to rethink, what does faith look like? What's a triumphant faith? What does victory in our faith really look like? And this is a passage that's going to help us rethink that, get biblically accurate, and it's inspiring. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, I also want to mention tomorrow we're going to have a special gathering at noon. It's going to be praying for the Ukraine, praying for Ukraine, uh, the the dear children, men and women in Ukraine right now that need our prayers. You can come to the building or also Zoom at noon tomorrow. We're going to be focused praying on the situation there. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness, God, that you are with us. We thank you that you're with the people in Ukraine. And Father, we pray that you'd move powerfully to protect, to encourage today, to bring comfort. Lord, we thank you for every story and every baptism. And God, we thank you for our stories with you in Jesus, how you change our lives. And we want to grow in our faith together today. And we pray in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. A Jesus community lives by faith. Now, what does that actually look like? In Corinth, Paul's navigating through some very difficult and challenging situations. It's a challenging place. Maybe some of you are in some challenging locations, whether it's your neighborhood or your workplace. There's challenging relationships for Paul. There's challenging responses. And there's going to be a lot of disappointment. And as you try to navigate through all of that, what does it look like to really have a triumphant faith and not be defeated? The good news as we look at Paul and more importantly as we look at Jesus is that we can have a triumphant faith as we rely on the Holy Spirit. And here's three things that we can do as we're trusting God and we're going to highlight all three. The first one, don't let sadness, disappointment, opposition, uncertainty, and waiting 
stop you from trusting God. And that's not a random assortment of words. I tried to get into Paul's shoes. When you're reading the Bible, try to enter in cognitively, but also emotionally, relationally. As you enter into Paul's situation, you see there's sadness, disappointment, opposition, uncertainty, and waiting. Let's take a look at chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. A triumphant faith is not the absence or the elimination of uncertainty and hardships and challenges and waiting. It's not the elimination of those things. In fact, it's in the middle of those things that our faith is developed. It's in the middle of those things that our faith matures. And it's in the middle of that mess that we have a tested faith. Isn't it good to have a tested faith that you've gone through some things that you can look in the rearview mirror and say, God was faithful there, God met me there, God was gracious and patient there, God has been with me the whole time, he's always kept his word, and I know I can rely on Jesus. That's a tested faith, not a naive or a blind faith. In Paul's context, he shares with us, because he's vulnerable, and it's important for us to be vulnerable with one another. We don't need fake games and fronts and veneers that are religious. We can talk about life. We can talk about our feelings, our humanity. Paul says he had a painful visit. Have you ever hoped that someone would be here? And then you actually get a little closer and you look into their lives and it's actually things are here. And they're making a lot of self-destructive decisions and you hurt for them. And Paul cared and loved the people so much that he saw with their choices and what it was doing to their lives, their families, what it was doing and the destruction. He was grieved when he showed up at Corinth. And he just calls that a painful visit. He says there's tears, there's anguish. And here he writes, I had no peace of mind. Do you feel safe sharing that with friends or your life group? You know, our church is filled with life groups. That's a place where you can say, I just don't have peace of mind. I just can't find peace of mind. And Paul shares that openly. And he's, you know, with this vulnerability and transparency, he also, in this context, he had people undermining him. Gossip and slander. Maybe you can relate to that. He watched people return to sin. He watched false teaching and people so misled and deceived. He had plans as life he thought was going this way. And then all of a sudden life threw him a curveball. And now he has to delay and he's going that way. And maybe you can relate. You thought this would be your career. Or you thought this would have happened by now. But now you went this direction. And you're trusting God in the middle of that detour. Paul can relate to this. And it's painful. He's waiting because he wrote this letter to the Corinthians. He's waiting in Troas for Titus to come. But Titus doesn't show up. So now he doesn't know how the Corinthians are doing. He doesn't know how Titus is doing. Titus is probably carrying the offering. And he doesn't know if bandits came and stole the offering and hurt Titus. He has no answers. Have you ever wanted answers and there's no answers? There's just more uncertainty and there's more waiting. 
and your heart hurts and you can't in your own power just fix the thing. That's where Paul is sitting as he writes this letter. Think about Jesus. It doesn't surprise me that Paul's going through all this when he's following Jesus so closely. Because the one that we follow, he was murdered in his early 30s. He was homeless. He would teach the disciples, and then he would reteach and remind and reteach and reteach and reteach. Do you ever feel like you're running out of patience? And you're trying to help someone take the next step? Jesus was betrayed, and there was denial, and the ones he thought he could count on, he didn't know if he could really count on them, and he asked them to pray, and they kept falling asleep, and he was going to leave, and they were going to be the world changers after he left, and all of this mess. Ministry is messy. It was all happening, and yet in the middle of that, and I would say nobody had it more difficult on earth than Jesus. Nobody comes close Nobody here comes close to having the difficulties that Jesus had on this earth and he became sin for us, the sinless Savior. There's never been an injustice like that of the cross. And when you take all of that in, that Jesus had the most difficult earthly experience out of any of us, forsaken by the Father on the cross, yet with our Savior, he fully honored Father God. There was a full allegiance to the Father. There was a faithfulness. There was a passion that's unrivaled. There was a love for people that we haven't seen before. The one who was in the most pain loved people the most. That's our Savior. And there was an urgency and a fervency to build up the kingdom like no one else has. In the middle of all that pain, faithfulness. And we're inspired. And that helps us realize and redefine what is a triumphant faith. When I consider the Ukraine right now and what's happening, Christianity Today paints this glimpse. This is what's happening in the country. Yuri, he's a leader in the Ukrainian Pentecostal church. And he says, I and all ministers stay in Kiev, the capital. We continue to be here in intercessory prayers And also talking to people to reduce panic and help those in need. Are you going anywhere? No, we're staying to pray. And we're staying to be a comfort to people and help in any way we can. There's another pastor. His church is further south. The church is receiving refugees right now. You think over 100,000 people on the move. They've left homes. And in the church, they open up the church. It's a temporary shelter. They provide food and medicine, hygiene, air mattresses as bombs are hitting the city. Imagine if bombs were hitting Auburn and people were flocking into this building. And together, we're just doing whatever we could to meet any needs that we can. That's happening in Ukraine right now. And he was asked, how can we pray? You know what his first request is? Pray for our disciple making. Doesn't know if he's going to live through this week. How can we pray for you? We'll pray for our disciple making because we're leading a lot of people to Jesus right now. We're sharing the word right now. We're praying with people right now. People are open spiritually. Would you pray for the disciple makers in the Ukraine? He says, that's how you can pray for us right now. Wow, isn't that inspiring? Kind of convicting, really inspiring. That's what he's all about. And then he says also pray for safety and generosity. Pray for those three things. Disciple making, safety, and generosity. Now we know how to pray. They're sharing Isaiah 41.10. Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, for our God is with us. 
and he will strengthen us and help us with his righteous right hand. And they're sharing that because they say fear leads to paralysis. And if you give in to fear, you just get stuck. Instead, he says, trusting God gives you strength. Praying gives you strength. Loving your neighbor gives you strength. So we're going to pray, we're going to trust God, and we're going to love our neighbors. Now, there's people at the seminary, and uh, they have a seminary there. Some are being called to military duty. Others are choosing not to evacuate. There's a husband who told his wife, you know, you can go to safety. And this is his wife's quote, I will be with you to the very end. We're going to be together. And this is the vision. What a vision for this attack that's happening. What's the Christian vision in the Ukraine? Here it is. This is what they're committed to. They say, when this is over, Kiev, our city, will remember that Christians shelter the weak, serve the suffering, and mend the broken. And we will continue to offer the unshakable hope of Christ and his gospel. However this plays out, this is what's going to happen. There's a spike in the Ukraine online right now with the words fear and peace as people are searching for peace. And the Ukrainian Bible Society, although they thought they had enough Bibles for all of 2022 in the warehouse, the stock is almost gone because people are so hungry for God's word right now that the Bible Society is just giving the Bibles away. That's what's happening in the Ukraine. And we think of Paul, we think of the Ukraine, we think of Jesus a triumphant faith is this. It's to trust God and take the next step that God is leading you to take. Take that next step forward. Faith is a muscle, and you exercise your faith. Faith isn't something you just study and learn about in, in terms of you know, knowledge. You take that knowledge, and then you walk with Jesus, and you go forward in faith. Paul, what does it look like for him in his next step? Don't give up on the Corinthians. And don't give up on the church, but build up the church. During a pandemic, don't give up on the church, build up the church. God is so committed to the local church. Paul shares that commitment. He's not going to quit. He's going to go to Troas, and then he's going to go to Macedonia. He's going to move with the cloud, Numbers chapter 9. Where the cloud moves, you move. Sometimes the cloud moves, but we want to stay. Sometimes, you know, we want to move, but the cloud stays. But you move where God leads. So he goes to Troas for a little while, and then he goes to Macedonia, because that's where God's leading him, but he keeps the Corinthians in his heart. And we highlight this by saying faithfulness crushes fear. That conviction obliterates complacency. And conviction obliterates compromise to this culture. Mission includes motion, in what God has revealed to you in his word, and what he has revealed to you in the light, don't question it in the dark. A triumphant faith. It leads to the second thing. God opens the right doors at the right time for sincere servants who spread the love and truth of Jesus. Now, can you feel defeated and still have a triumphant faith? Yes, yes you can. Because feelings come and go. They're all over the map. Paul's saying, I, I feel defeated. My feelings are that of defeat. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you're feeling very defeated. Why is he feeling defeated? The Corinthians are stumbling in their faith again and again. There's closed doors that he hoped would be open. And there's rejection everywhere. There's slander everywhere. There's mistreatment of Paul everywhere. And he's human, and he feels this, and it kind of feels like defeat. 
They reject his message, the gospel, God's word. They reject him personally. And when there's a lot of rejection, it can affect your sense of self-worth. Someone shared with me this week that's looking for a job, can't seem to find a job. I remember when I was looking for the first time I'd be a lead pastor. And it was search after search after search. And I would get down to the last five or last two. And they would always say, well, we're going with someone's more experience. Or, you know, and, and when you're in between jobs, and maybe you are right now or have been, and doors aren't opening, it's easy to let that affect your self-worth. One road you could go down is to let that affect your self-worth and think I'm not gifted. You know, God doesn't you know, care about me anymore. That's one road. Or you can continue to stay faithful. Thank God, trust him, and know that God's going to open the right door at the right time. Maybe your dating relationship didn't work out how you wanted, but can you trust God to bring the right person at the right time? And marriage will happen at the right time. When God's in it, he's going to open the door, but our role is stay sincere with love and truth. And Paul writes this, but thanks be to God. And there's the shift. There's the intentional shift. You can't have a triumphant faith without thanksgiving. And Paul's saying, I'm feeling this, but I'm going to give thanks to God. I'm going to give thanks to God because when you give thanks to God, he's always worthy of the thanks. There's always 50 things you could be thankful for. You've got 100 things today. The question is not whether they're there. The question is, will you give him thanks? And when you thank him, anxiety goes down. When you thank him, negativity goes down. When you thank him, envy goes down. Some people aren't thanking God and their negativity and envy and anxiety is through the roof. Because they haven't really been thanking God with all their heart. And Paul says, this is something I can do. I can thank God. But thanks be to God. And he says, with sincerity. There's a lot of people peddling God's word for profit. There's hucksters today. They're just building up their bank account financially, manipulating, twisting. All that's happening then. It's all happening today. But he says, sincerely. With sincerity, both truth and love. Always bring the truth and love of Jesus. Don't settle for one or the other. Both and, with truth and love. Does this mean everyone's going to be excited about the gospel? Does this mean everyone's going to agree and believe? No. Does this mean you might get killed? Yes. Does this mean people might reject you, talk badly of you? Is it a relationship risk? Yes. Paul shares the gospel Some people want to kill him. Some people hate him more. Some people aren't going to believe. Is that going to stop Paul? The first time someone, like, has some pushback and tries to, you know, be mean to him because he's sharing the faith, is he like, oh, I'm done. No more of that. Okay, shut that down. Let's just be intimidated. More people will respond positively if you live in Texas than the sound. Okay, if you're looking for some positive feedback, you want to build up some momentum, go to Texas, start sharing the gospel, but then come back here. It's a little more difficult here, but I'll tell you the most, most important here, what I plead to you is be faithful here about the truth of Jesus and the love of Jesus. Be faithful here, because when you love people, you love their souls. And the answer is to not be more intimidated and silent as the culture goes further from God. The answer is, God, give me courage to be faithful and sincere and humble and bring it. And that's just coming from Jesus primarily, but then also Paul and anyone that will sincerely follow Jesus, it's, it's the same. It's the same. And he says, we spread the aroma of Christ. Turn the person next to you and say, your life has a fragrance. 
That's right, and smile when you do it. And then turn to the other person, smile, and say, your life has a fragrance. All of our lives, they have a fragrance, and a fragrance is a choice. I, I remember as a kid, I never liked to go shopping, still don't. Uh, and going into the mall, my least favorite place in the mall was when you walk by the fragrances and the perfumes, and you've got people that are ready, you know, like give you free samples. I just remember as a kid walking by, like, and I literally said, like, don't spray me. Like, I just want to get through this thing. There's a fragrance. Fragrance are choices. What is this aroma of Christ that Paul's talking about? Well, he has a picture. He has a vision. Remember, feels defeated, but he has a vision of Jesus. Jesus victorious. Jesus triumphant. Jesus leading. And everyone in the culture knew that when there's a battle and there's a general and there's a victory, there's a parade. And this general would lead forth and people would know that there's going to be a celebration, that there's going to be the smell of incense. There's going to be the smell of meat being cooked. Can I get an amen? Amen. Anybody else like to walk by? The smell, the scent. I get envious and neighbors just going for a walk when I pick up that scent that there's meat on the grill. Vegetarians and vegans, we love you. We're all equal. We're all one family. Thank you for sharing and just listening and understanding. It's a good thing. Fake meat thing too. So... um, That aroma, though, everyone knew the procession, the triumphal procession. It's victory. It's a parade. It's celebration. It's incense. It's meat on the grill. And Paul, feeling defeated, starts to get that vision. And that's what he says, this aroma of Christ. Well, you say, what about the pain? Jesus suffered, sacrifice, submission. It's there. It's there. Lay down your life. It's there. It's there. You know, the gospel It's of the first, utmost importance in our lives, 1 Corinthians 15. The gospel has two parts. Don't ever miss these two parts. The first part is that Jesus died for our sins. And that's the sacrifice and the submission. That's the suffering that happened. And uh, Jesus dying for our sins, it reminds us that part of living for Christ is dying to sin. There is a dying to self and a dying to the flesh. There's that, that killing of the desire to do wrong, that we mortify that direction. Listen, this is part of it in repentance and part of the gospel. The first half is that Jesus died for our sins. That's not the whole gospel. That's half the gospel. He died for our sins. Here's the second part. If the second part isn't there, there's no gospel. The second part is on the third day, he rose from the grave. And so we have a cross that remembers his sacrifice, and we have an empty tomb. All the other religious leaders still in the tomb. We have a Savior who overcame death. There's a resurrection, and that's part of the gospel. Repentance is not 90 degrees. It's not to turn from sin just to then be empty. There's another 90 degrees. It's to turn to God, the full 180 degrees. And the abundant life that Jesus talks about, it's a resurrection life. And there's resurrection power. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. And during a pandemic, it's easy to push all that aside and say, oh, the gospel is just dying on the cross. It's just more suffering for us. Well, it is suffering, but there is resurrection power available to you right here and right now through Jesus Christ. And we see that play out in Paul's life. He'll go to Troas. He leaves because God moves him forward. 
But then Acts 20, he comes back to Troas because now God opens the door. And he preaches the gospel at Troas. And he doesn't have a lot of time there. It's his last night, so he preaches all night. And about midnight, as they're gathered on the third floor, there's a young adult named Eutychus. And he, during a long sermon. Wait, let's just confess our sins today. Let's be honest. Uh, Eutychus is like, this sermon is way too long. If you've been at church, you maybe had that feeling dozens of times. Eutychus is getting a little drowsy. He falls asleep. God had opened a door in Troas. He also opened a window. Eutychus falls all to the window, dies. Well, that kind of puts a buzzkill on the sermon. Uh, so now Paul, instead of just talking about the resurrection, now he's going to go down, pray over Eutychus, and the resurrection power that Jesus brings raises him back to life. He's alive. That's a pretty good sermon illustration right there. That's pretty good right there. And, and Eutychus gets up. Now Paul's going to leave Troas, but Eutychus has a story about how God raised him from the dead, and Eutychus is going to share his story in Troas. And God continues to work through that pattern of death, resurrection, death, resurrection. He might crush you before he uses you. He might take it away before he gives it. He might change the vision and you think there's the death and then he brings the resurrection. And over and over again, that's the story. Psalm 126, we sow in tears, we reap with joy. Three more verses and uh, we're gonna start here in chapter three, verse one. There's no chapters and verse in the original text, so we've got three more verses. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. The third truth, when you choose to focus on intentionally blessing people, the Holy Spirit powerfully transforms lives. A triumphant faith is not just internal. It is deep and internal, but a true triumphant faith is both internal and relational. It's both. And a triumphant faith should never feel like more pressure on me to be triumphant. It's the opposite of triumphant faith. Triumphant faith is more surrender in receiving the Holy Spirit, learning to rely on the Holy Spirit, aligned with the Holy Spirit, and watching the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And that's what's happening right here. Don't settle for less. Paul talks about letters of recommendation. For clarity, it's not a sin to get a letter of recommendation. What was happening then is people were boasting. So with a spirit of boasting, that is wrong, with inaccurate Letters of recommendation, lying and boasting, that's what was wrong. Paul writes letters of introduction. Paul celebrates what God's doing. You can have letters of recommendation. That's okay. This was different. Now, this tells us right here, as Paul points out, this isn't about some letter recommendation. Ministry is about people and ministry is about relationships. And when your days are over on this earth, what's going to matter is those relationships and the people that God brought into your life. And Paul says, we don't need a fancy letter recommendation because just look at the changed lives in Corinth. Like your life, your story, what God has written on your heart. That's our ministry. That's what it's all about. So people can criticize it, but you can't change what God has done. And he is doing, and he's confirming, and the fruit that comes from it. Now, Reverend William White in 1849 wrote the book, The African Preacher, and he was 
telling the story of Uncle Jack. Uncle Jack was born in Africa, sold into slavery on the banks of the James River, and then they moved him to Virginia, where he served as a slave. Um, yeah, I just when I think of slavery then, I'm just sad, and I also think, praise God, that we're taking steps forward, and let's just keep moving forward towards equality. Uh, and when he was in his mid-30s, he came to know Jesus, and of course, that changes everything in our lives. He was taught to read by his owner's kids, in that close relationship with the kids. And then he was licensed by the Baptist church and began to preach. When his master died, the community came together and paid the money to purchase his freedom and also give him a cabin. And for 35 years, he brought God's word and changed the region. Changed the region. So the culture said one thing to him, but God said something very different. And I want to tell you today, you are called, you are gifted, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Comfort and encouragement is yours. And run with the vision how God has wired you. And he'll work in your heart. And this is what I want to share. We're going to get into it more next week. But these two verses, because you read about what is this covenant written on our heart. Well, God prophesied this. God foretold this. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 31, in verse 33, God said this. This is the covenant, a new covenant. I will make with the house of Israel, declares the Lord. After that time, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. What God was saying, you know, stone tablets, think of the Ten Commandments, right? God engraved it in stone, but now in new work in the new covenant, we don't have stone engraved commandments we're holding up, but what we have is the Holy Spirit writing it on our hearts. And God will lead us and guide us, knowing we belong to him and he's trustworthy. It's a triumphant faith. In Ezekiel chapter 36, and you couldn't have planned this, at least we didn't plan it, but an eight-year-old that was baptized today referred to this, God gave me a new heart. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, God says, I will give you a new heart. I'm going to put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God can take away the stubborn sin and the selfishness and the pride in all the ways we try to block him away. God will remove that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and put a new spirit in you, a spirit of life and of resurrection power. God does that. It's his glory. You say, well, it's great to read about. Is it happening here? Oh, yes, it is. I want to share a story in close. It's happened during this series. We don't know everything God's going to do. A Jesus community. Fresh work, fresh vision, fresh healing from God. There's a woman who had never been to grace, and she follows Jesus, and she very clearly sensed God was leading here, here. And at the start of this series, you maybe you were here with the theme of comfort. We worship a God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so we can comfort others. At the end of the message, we said, go ahead and stand up if you really need comfort today, God's comfort. Many people stood up. She was one of the people that stood up. And we all prayed. We extended our hands toward those people. We prayed. She received God's comfort. And with the comfort she received, God placed it in her mind to reach out and do something courageous because she has a nephew on the other coast, on the east coast, who's very, very sick in the hospital. And she didn't know how much longer he was going to live. So after receiving God's comfort, she reached out to the family and said, I need to talk to my nephew. 
and they set up a Zoom. Let me ask you, have you ever had a loved one that you've known is very close, very close to death? And how much courage does it take at that moment? Well, God gave her comfort and courage, and with her nephew watching Zoom, she walked through the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. And she asked her nephew, because she knows her nephew doesn't follow God. She asked her nephew, do you want to follow Jesus? This is grace, an undeserved gift. Do you want to receive the gift of eternal life, peace with God, forgiveness of sins? And he couldn't talk anymore. Can't talk. But he just started nodding over Zoom. Like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. She said, can I pray for you right now? And he nodded some more. And he put his trust in Christ. And two days later, he breathed his last breath. But she is going to be with him for eternity and glory. Because God never gives up. It's never too late. And you never know how God's going to move. Someone that you thought would never, you might have five people you thought would never trust Jesus. Five years from now, they might be praising the Lord. You might have people right now that you know and, and you think, oh, they'll never come to church. Five weeks from now, they might be sitting next to you. You might be sitting in the same aisle with some people that are just going through the motions right now. Faith is kind of lukewarm. And you know what? Five hours from now, they could be on fire for the Lord because God moves by his spirit in hearts, things we can't do, but he writes it on our hearts in the deepest places. This is a house of miracles. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. And you, you know when you do microwave popcorn and you wait? God's moving, but you don't hear it. You don't see it. And you wait and you wait. And things are happening in the microwave, but it doesn't look like anything's happening. And you wait. Then all of a sudden you get that first pop. That sounds good. That sounds good. I burn a lot of popcorn, so I got to stay close to that microwave. And, and, and then you get that next pop. And you're like, oh, there's another pop. And pretty soon you get pop, pop, pop. And what just happened? Someone had a brain tumor, but they just came into Jesus and got baptized. Someone just came in for help with their marriage. They just came to the Lord and got baptized. Pop, pop. We just had about 100 middle school and high school students at camp and, and experiencing the love of Jesus. Some of them want to get baptized, and you go, pop, pop. Thursday night, we're gathering together in unity and hope, and you just hear a few more. Pop, pop, pop. Over in the Ukraine, what's going on right now in the middle of about the worst situation you could imagine? The church following Jesus has a backbone full of the Spirit. We're going to walk this through and trust the Lord, whatever the results are. And it just starts to go pop, 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 pop. Things are starting to pop in the Spirit. Let's not quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. We pray, God, have your way with us right now. We offer ourselves in worship. We offer our bodies, our minds, our gifts, time, talent, and treasure. We offer it to you in worship, a living sacrifice, God, on this altar. We offer ourselves to you. God, move us out of past ruts. God, move us out of lies. God, move us out of just being controlled by our feelings. God, move us out of revenge and grudges. Move us out of, God, some of the ways that we're just so stubborn and we just try to stop the Holy Spirit's work. God, I pray today if anyone doesn't know you here for a first-time relationship. I pray today if anyone's held back in baptism. I pray today, God, if anyone's been stingy with their gifts or stingy with their worship. God, I pray today for a breakthrough. In Jesus' name, we lift this up to you. We're, we're your community, Jesus. 
We walk in your love, your light, your strength. Come and do it again, Lord. We see what you did on the earth. You said even greater things. You said in this world we will have trouble, but take heart, you've overcome the world. Strengthen them in the Ukraine right now. God, give us your strength here. Moved by your spirit, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.